Well, hello and a warm welcome to you on this cold December day. Another episode of the Subscription Web Design Podcast. I hope you guys are doing fantastic. I want to share with you today a very important lesson. And this is one that we hear about a lot, but I think not a lot of people really talk about the, uh, the, the helpfulness, the philosophy behind it, but then also bridging that gap and tying it into a very practical way to make it happen. So how many of you have heard before the advice, you need to niche down, right? We've all heard this. You need to niche down. You need to serve a niche that is as small as possible, but also big enough to be able to serve your business goals, et cetera, et cetera. We have definitely heard this before. But what I want to do is take a 30,000-foot view first. Let's look at what niching down really is, why it's helpful to you, why it is a decision that you should think about very carefully, but also consider very seriously in your business. And then on the other end, let's get into like 500 feet. And let's talk about some filters you can use. And I'm going to give you four of them. Four filters that you can actually use to determine how you should niche down in your business based on your own circumstances. I think it's going to be a very, very helpful episode for you. Not directly subscription web design related. You could theoretically use this anywhere you go. But if you niche down even further into a particular industry or vertical with subscription web design in mind, then you are going to be so far set apart from the competition. I think that's going to be like a double benefit for you. All right. So let's get into it. What is the purpose of niching down? Okay. What is the purpose of it? A lot of people believe that the purpose of niching down is just this general philosophy of serving a particular audience so that you aren't speaking to everyone in your marketing messaging. Now, that is true as far as it goes. That's definitely true. But niching down is actually far, far more than that. It is the one thing that more than anything else can determine the success or failure of your business. More than anything else, it can help you clarify your marketing messaging in an almost automatic way. It's like if you are messaging toward your particular niche, that automatically in your mind filters out words you can and cannot say. It filters out ideas you should or should not have. It filters out places you should or should not go. It does many, many things for your business that helps it laser focus and get dialed in to serving a particular audience. Now, there is a such thing as niching down too far. As a matter of fact, in my agency, one of our clients is actually in this scenario right now where, and he's actually spent the last 10 to 15 years in, in his business in an area where he is niched down too far to have the kind of traction that he needs. So there's sort of these two ends of the spectrum, right? You can either be so broad that you're talking to nobody or so niche, so specific that you're talking to nobody. What you want to find is something in the middle. Now, I have to say, though, don't let what I just said scare you into not doing this. And here's why. It is very unlikely that you're going to run into a scenario where you are too far niched down. It's extremely rare that that happens. Most of the time, you can settle into a niche that is very extreme and has a much smaller audience base than you might even think would be um, possible. And yet, have a thriving business because you are exclusive in that niche. It helps with another thing that subscription web design also helps with too that you can double down on, 
And that is, you'll find that you don't need as many clients to have a successful business if you are niched down far enough. And that's for two reasons. Number one, word of mouth spreads within niches much better and much farther than it does in general. Okay. The word of mouth train can really get going when you have a specific solution for people in a specific industry. The other thing is, is you can charge more. You can charge more money for the work you do because you're a specialist in a particular area as opposed to being a generalist across the board. Usually when you're in generalism territory, what's happening is people are looking and making decisions based on price. Okay. It's more of a commoditization. But if you come in with a unique offer, a unique business model, and you're already niched down into their particular area, your chances of winning deals over and against broadly positioned companies is much, much better. All right. I want to introduce you now to something called category design. Now, category design is a term that chances are you've never heard before. Okay. And the folks who have really pioneered this, uh, Christopher Lockheb is a marketing just absolute genius. Um, he and a little, uh, they call themselves the first, the world's first ever writing band. Uh, they have a Substack and uh, a book, actually quite a few books. Uh, they're called the Category Pirates. And they talk about this a lot. Um, and also Christopher Lockhead and Al um, Ramadan, I think is his name. Anyway, there, there's, and there's like four other authors. They wrote a book a few years ago called Play Bigger that talks about this. And essentially, to give you a, a little bit of background, when a startup in Silicon Valley takes place, a new software startup or just whatever it is, these are the guys that they call to come in and help position them in the market. Okay? so. Niching down and category design are very similar. If I had to make a distinction between them, it's basically niching down usually speaks to what's going on in the, in the micro, right? In, in your business, specifically, you're thinking about going deeper and deeper within a particular niche to serve a particular kind of client. Category design is a wider net. It's basically you're building a new category of product or service. Subscription web design is an example of category design. I've designed a category of subscription web design. And so what I do is I talk less about the web design and more about the category. So when you find yourself in a position where the thing that you're marketing is actually the category, that's category design. And a great example of this, people in the tech world, you should understand this, is Salesforce, right? When Salesforce.com came out and said, yeah, you don't need servers anymore. Basically, we're going to, I mean, they invented the idea of the cloud. They came in and they designed a new category called cloud computing. They called the old thing on-premise computing and then began to th throw rocks at it, all right? And so they created a new category. So you can look at this in, in the macro, which is category designer, in the micro, which is niching. And if you have the ability to do category design, that's even better. And uh, a, a book that you can read about that is Play Bigger. Uh, you can also read a book called Snow Leopard. It's more about uh, how writers and creators can create a category of one. But look at it. It applies greatly. I'm probably getting ready to start reading it for the second time. Um, it applies greatly to the sort of work that we do. So I just wanted to introduce you to that term, category design, because I'll probably be talking about it a lot into the future. It's something I'm pretty passionate about because um, I think it could make a really, really big difference in your business. But you do not need to be afraid of niching down. Niching down is not limiting. It's not limiting. It's expansive, okay? It helps you expand your opportunities for expertise. It helps you expand your opportunities for growth. It helps you 
expand your word of mouth and referral train within a particular audience. So I would highly recommend this. So for me, for example, um, I need to do a little, uh, I want to say I need to do a little better. That's maybe true. But also for me, I'm just kind of experimenting with things all the time. Um, my niche is primarily course websites, online course websites. That's what our business does really fantastically. Uh, we do it better than just about anybody else I can think of, course and membership websites. But we also have the subscription web design component as well. So we've kind of got the category and the niche thing uh, going on. Is that a contributor to the success that we've had? I'd like to think so. You know, I'd like to think that that positioning has really helped us. I think we could capitalize on it and, and do better uh, at it than we're currently doing. Um, but that's probably true of most people in most situations. All right. So just know that niching is not limiting. Like, you don't need to be afraid of this. This process is very helpful. It is something that could completely radically transform your business. And that said, that said, I'm going to back up now. I understand your fear. I understand if you haven't taken this step yet, why you haven't. Okay, I understand your hesitation because I've been there. I've done that. Bought the t-shirt. I totally got it. So what I'd like to lay out for you is a process. Okay, I'd like to give you a process. It's a three-step process. And I think it will help you clarify in your mind how you can do this and give you something very, very practical. So we talked at 30,000 feet. Now let's go down to 500 feet and make it practical, something you can apply in your business. So how to choose? How do you choose a niche? You say, all right, Steve, I'm bought in. I like this idea, but I'm scared to death of it. How do I actually choose a niche to go into? First of all, you're going to start with a discovery mindset. Start with a discovery mindset. Another way to put this is an experimental mindset. Uh, an author and writer named Michael Hyatt, um, pretty well known in the productivity space. He is a uh, really helpful example for me in many areas of life. But I remember one blog post that he wrote was so transformational for me. It was all about cultivating an experimental mindset. And the idea there is any decision that you're looking to make, it's just an experiment. It's just an experiment. We're not upending the whole thing. You know, we're not uh, buying fully into one path instead of another path. We can always go back. We can always change things around. But let's just try it as an experiment and see how it goes. We test it. If we like it, we keep going. If we don't like it, we sunset it and we move forward. So start out with an experiment mindset and a discovery mindset. And by discovery specifically, what I'm referring to is it's okay in the beginning to cast your net widely, especially if you're somebody, I happen to know that a, a, a good portion of this audience is sort of brand new to web design in general. So you have an opportunity here, an opportunity to work with different kinds of people. You're kind of forced to be a generalist in the very beginning, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. You're willing to work with lots of different people. So I would, I would take that route. I would maybe, you know, if you're going to niche it all, in the very beginning, maybe do that geographically, you know, but beyond that, I would just be willing to take on projects of all different kinds to learn what you like, to learn what you're good at, to learn what you can deliver on. So if you want to niche out straight from the beginning, then fine, skip to step number two. And we're going to talk about that now. Uh, but don't be afraid of that discovery mindset at first. Nobody's going to be mad at you for being a generalist for a few months or a few years while you figure out your lane. And um, I would say though, that you need to make that jump, okay? Don't fail to make the jump. You need to make the jump into your lane as soon as possible. Find a lane and get in there and go. But in the beginning, it's okay to be a little experimental and to discover the different opportunities that are out there a little bit. Okay, the second one is to choose a filter. Choose a filter. Now, this is maybe the most practical advice that I could possibly give you. And so I'm excited to share it with you because I'm not sure that I've heard anybody else talking about niching down in this way. 
and it should hopefully open up some really great story loops in your mind that you need to go close and, uh, and do this exercise with me. So choose a filter. All right. There are four filters that you can choose from that I think will help you clarify in your mind a direction that you could go. All right. The first one is what I call the passion filter. The passion filter. Find a niche, an industry, or a vertical that you're passionate and knowledgeable about. So something that outside of your life as a web designer, you do, okay, or you're interested in, or you study about. And if you say, well, look, there's no way that I could, I could take a topic that I'm passionate about and be a successful web designer in that, in that realm, you would absolutely be surprised at what is out there. There are people who need websites that are in just about every niche you can think of. I promise you, if you are just passionate about goat farming, you could find a successful business probably in the in the low six figures, in the one hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollar a year range, I would say, um, over time you could build up to that. I would say you could have a very successful business in the niche of literal website design for goat farmers, people who are like farming goats and then they're selling, you know, their milk or just whatever it is. I promise you, you know, if that's what you're passionate about, you can make that work. And insert whatever passion here. If you're passionate about ministry, right? If you're passionate about, um. Um, like pregnancy clinics, if you're passionate about dog kennels, whatever it is, I promise you, you could create websites in that niche, become known as an authority in that niche, and go from there. And how cool would it be, by the way, to not only get to design websites in this niche, but if you become so intensely passionate and knowledgeable about it, how cool would it be to be invited to industry gatherings, to be invited on industry podcasts, to be invited to speak on these topics and then get business from that as well. That's the kind of thing that is possible if we do this right and how cool to do that about a topic that you are passionate about. That's pretty exciting. So that, that's number one, the passion filter. All right, maybe you don't necessarily want to dive into your passions. Maybe you want to reserve those. You want to keep those. You, know, you don't want to, so, so, so to speak, taint those with business. And by the way, I've been there. I understand that. Um, so maybe you want to leave your passions alone. You don't want to touch those at all. Well, you could try the data filter. So this is the second one, the data filter. And that looks like this. Work with a bunch of clients and niche down to the best slash most profitable. So let's say that you spend time working with dentists. You work with um, just all different kinds, you know, laundromats. You work with course creators. You work, just, you name it, okay? You pick a bunch of different things. You, you, you do that step one, right? And you, you get into that discovery mindset and you go out and you work for all different kinds of people. After time or over time, you have data around what clients were the most fun to work with, which clients paid you the best, um, which clients their project ended up being the most profitable, all of those things, okay? Maybe another factor could be if you're growing a team, which, which projects made it easiest to systematize for your team so you didn't have to be as involved. You look at all of those things and you filter them and you say, okay, well, looking at this, this particular kind of client is the kind of client that makes the most sense for my business to serve. And you go all in with that. You go all in with that. Now, that's exactly what happened with me uh, when I, the first way that I sort of niched my business down was for coaches. Okay. And I didn't keep that going, even though that's still like the majority of who I work with today. I didn't keep that languaging uh, going because I like to do projects that are a bit beyond that in terms of like, course, you know, creating courses and memberships and things of that nature. Um, 
but that it worked for me. Um, I went into sort of the coaching niche in a lighter way than I could have, and I still was successful with it. And there are some people who uh, have really gone into that. I think um, I don't know if they still do this, but Savvy Hippo is an example of a of a turnkey website provider. They work with coaches, and uh, it works for them. Coaches, consultants, and things like that. So work with a bunch of different people and just filter out based on how good those clients are, how profitable it is, et cetera, and then go from there, the data filter. Okay, number three is the financial filter. So on this one, choose a niche known for its financial stability and spending power. Okay, this one, probably more than the other ones, is the most heavily business-focused one. In other words, if you are treating your business, and by the way, this is totally fine to do this. I have no problems with it at all. If you are treating your business in a way that is, you know, totally free from emotional attachment, that's totally free from a passion project, it's totally free from whatever, and all you really care about is being able to live your life while owning a business that is doing things. In other words, you are probably looking at hiring people, you're looking at being completely out of the fulfillment process in the business and all of that. This is probably the path that you want to go. And again, this is just choosing a path or a client to niche down into that is very financially profitable. An easy example of this would be something like financial accounting firms. Okay, financial firms, lawyers, places like this. Maybe they're your passion. And if so, that's fine. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're just very lucrative. I remember when I was working at the law firm that I, uh, where I used to work, um, I remember looking uh, and just you know researching web designers who were in that niche. And there were people in New York charging like 90K minimum to build lawyer websites. Okay, let me tell you, that is all about the money, okay? That's a financially stable and profitable business vertical to be in. And so you might go that route. You might say, you know what? Barring all other decisions, this is the way that I have the chance to make the most money in a stable way. I'm going to go that route. So that's the financial filter. So, so far, we've got the passion filter. We've got the data filter. And then we've got the financial filter. Okay, fourth and finally, is the logical filter. This is to choose a niche based on a logical reason. This could be geographic area, previous work experience, wanting to learn more about a particular industry, et cetera. So in a way, this sort of groups together all of the other things. For example, you might have said, well, how come you didn't list geography as a niche of its own? Well, true enough, that is a niche on its own, but I wanted to think a little bit broader about it. The reason you would choose geography is a logical reason. You live there. And when I got to thinking about it, there's lots of other logical reasons to go into a particular niche. Uh, previous work experience is one I mentioned. Perhaps I just got really good at knowing what lawyers needed because I worked with them. I could go into the lawyer niche quite easily because I know and understand their needs. I worked in the marketing department, right? Of a, I mean, I did IT, but I also worked with our marketing department as well um, in creating solutions for websites and things of that nature. So I have a degree of understanding to that. And that's a niche that I could very comfortably go into because I worked in it before. All right. So you may have just a more logical reason for choosing what niche you want to go into. And if you have questions about that, especially if you join up with our mentorship program, you can go in there and you can ask me specific questions. By the way, this episode is brought to you by our mentorship program. You go to subscriptionwebdesign.com to learn more about that and get signed up because it's a way for me to actually help you make these sorts of decisions in your business and guide you in your own context. But uh, even if you don't do that, again, following these guidelines is exactly what you need to get to the next level. Choose the passion filter, 
the data filter, the financial filter, or the logical filter when you're going to niche down. Okay, and then the final step, and this one is extremely, extremely important, is to build a three-legged stool, okay? And now if you can't, if you can't meet these three criteria that I'm getting ready to give you in whatever niche that you have chosen, then you need to go back to the drawing board, at least to some degree. Now, I realize I gave you different filters. You're going to see some words that are similar here. So I don't want you to get confused. I'm going to try to explain this in an easy way to make a distinction between them. All right. And, uh, and we'll go from there. All right. So the three-legged stool is this passion, proficiency, and profitability. Passion, proficiency, and profitability. Now, the reason why you need this three-legged stool is this. If you don't have passion, you're not going to keep up with it. You're not going to do it for very long at all. If you don't have proficiency, you're not going to get any clients because you're no good. And if you don't have profitability, you're going to go out of business because you have to be profitable in order to stay in business. So it's a three-legged stool, passion, proficiency, and profitability. Now, but you might say, well, what if you chose, you know, based on the, the you know, the, the financial filter? You, you said, Steve, that that was basically devoid of passion. You weren't using passion at, at all. Well, I don't think passion has to be related to the niche itself. I think if the passion is strong enough to have a thriving business and support the lifestyle your family wants, that's the passion you need, okay? So don't let that confuse you. Passion, proficiency, and profitability. For example, let's say you went with the passion filter, number one, right? You found the niche based on something that you were completely passionate about. Well, that's all well and good. But if it turns out there's no three, um, profitability, you know, the, the third leg of the stool, if there's no profitability, in that business model, guess what? You don't have a business. You have a hobby. You see how that's a problem? So whichever filter you use to decide to niche down into, you need to run that through, I would argue, an additional filter, which I'm calling your three-legged stool, to determine if it's feasible for you to actually go into this niche. So this is really cool because it gives you the freedom and flexibility to narrow down exactly how you'd like to niche your business, but then, but then to run that decision through a filter to see if it will work. If you can't make it work, okay, if you're lacking either the passion, proficiency, or profitability to be successful in a particular niche, go back to the drawing board. Start again, choose a different filter, choose a different uh, business. Maybe you still want to go by the passion filter, but there's something else you're passionate about. Maybe you want to go into um, web designs for people who do baseball trading cards, I don't know, instead of fly fishing, whatever it is. Right? Choose another passion, go down that route, or choose another filter altogether and see how that works for you. So. Um, first, start with a discovery mindset, then choose a filter, and then build a three-legged stool to make sure that your filter is uh, successful. And if it's not, go back to a drawing board. If it is, make the decision. Niche down your business. It's going to be incredibly useful for you. It's going to be life-changing for you, uh, probably, and I'm excited to see your results. That's going to be it for this episode of the Subscription Web Design Podcast. Please share this with your friends, share this with other people in the industry. You know, we want to get the word out about subscription web design to as many people as possible. And uh, if you think this was just a helpful exercise in terms of niching down, um, to be honest, this is more helpful than most things that I've seen personally uh, that have tried to teach me how to niche down. So I would be honored for you to share this with anyone and everyone you think could use this material. All right, you guys take care, have a great one, and we'll see you in the next episode. 
Hey there, it's Steve, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. You know, one of the biggest questions that I get is, okay, Steve, I'm excited. I love this idea of subscription web design, but I have no clue where to get started. If that's you, go to subscriptionwebdesign.com right now, enter your best email address, and I'm going to send you an exclusive training that I did on the five models of subscription web design that will show you the options that are available to you and give you some things to think about on how to get started. And for a limited time, I'm going to include my contract template for subscription web design. I've been asked multiple times to provide this template, and it's usually only available to my paying students. It's a $100 value, but it's yours free. Just go to subscriptionwebdesign.com and enter your best email address there, and I'll send those right to you, as well as send you daily email tips from the trenches of running my agency. See you over there at subscriptionwebdesign.com.